Welcome to C4 Church Online, equipping you as you follow Jesus. Well, happy Easter, everyone. So glad that you're here. Happy Easter to all of you up in Port Perry. Happy Easter to all of you in Bowmanville and anyone watching around the world. Now, I don't know if you've noticed, but today is not only Easter. There's another holiday that's being celebrated today. It's April Fool's Day. I don't know if you thought about that. And I want to take a moment to talk to you about why our staff is so dangerous, a little devious. Actually, the word is evil. Uh, when it comes to this holiday. One year, some staff uh, decided to put crickets, live crickets in my theological library, and they sang to me for over a month and a half. What a gift uh, that was. Another wicked person on our staff took Oreos, removed the filling, filled it with toothpaste, and handed it out to our staff really disgusting. A third staff member who attacked the very essence of Canadian identity got Tim Horton's Timbits, removed the centers, and filled them with mayonnaise and hot sauce and handed them out. But the worst offender, the most devious evil among us is Kathy Deanish. She is the EA for Dave and I. And let me tell you about my dear friend. One, one April Fool's Day, Dave Adams, our lead pastor, and Chris Vashay, our sites and services pastor, they were at work. And she went to their homes, put up for sale signs in front of their homes, handed out their personal phone numbers, and said, open house today. Yeah. Yes. Yes, and the calls were amazing. Now, I didn't think the deviousness could get any worse until 25 minutes ago. No word of a lie, this is not a setup. We all, after the th second service, the 10 o'clock service, went back in and someone had placed beautiful cake pops among us to eat. They are, they're meatballs. <laughs> you don't want to work at this church, it's dangerous. It's dangerous. Now, I love that Easter falls in April Fool's, the day of practical jokes and hoaxes, because the old tradition is when you got caught, you would be called an April Fool if you're the unfortunate victim. Now, much of the world today, and actually many within the sound of my voice, you actually believe that this whole Easter thing is a hoax. It's a prank. Then, of course, we live in the time of fake news, false connections, misleading content, false context, manipulated content, fabricated information to deceive us, to harm us, to sway us. Is not just the whole idea of Jesus physically rising from the dead truly fake news from 2,000 years ago? And then in 2016, the Oxford Dictionary Word of the Year was post-truth. Circumstances in which objective facts are less influential in shaping public opinion than appeal to emotion and personal belief. Is not this whole Easter Christian thing emotion, personal be belief, crossing our fingers and, and nothing more? And then, of course, there is our world as we know it uh, today, more connected than ever and tearing ourselves apart at the seams. Left versus right, battle between race, gender, politic, economic classes. We live in a social media-driven world where everyone has an opinion, everyone can actually stand at a distance and spout garbage and attack each other and not even know each other. And now we're finding out in the last six weeks that we live now in a data-driven marketing world that is actually segmenting us against each other and targeting us and we don't even know what's taking place. If there is ever time for life, it's now. If there's ever time for capital T truth, it's now. If there's ever a time to get out, a way out, it's now. Now, can anyone cut through all of this? 
Is there any way to access truth since everyone in Canada says truth is relative and they have their own truth? Is there any way out of all of this confusion? Is there any life beyond what we're experiencing? Yes. We today with the global church claim, confess, and joyfully celebrate that Jesus is not just one answer among many. He is the answer to all of this. Today, we unashamedly proclaim that Jesus physically rose from the dead. This is not a hoax. This is not fake news. We believe in physical resurrection. We do not confess resuscitation. We confess he's the only one strong enough. He's got the only great amount of authority. He's the only one loving enough to cut through all the barriers we've set up between each other. And he's the only one that has the insight to correct all of us because all of us are wrong and all of us have gone our own way. As I've shared for the last few weeks, when you read the Gospels and just listen to Jesus' own words, it is shocking. Jesus claims as a human being to be equal with God and then goes one step further and says, actually, I am God. He said he had the ability to forgive sins. He said he was conscious before he was born and existed. He actually said he's the only way back to God. He promised eternal life and supposedly he physically rose from the dead. See, you cannot remain neutral on Jesus' teaching or claims. Now, if Jesus did not rise from the dead, then, then maybe he's a good guy. Maybe he's a politician or a, a prophet or a political revolutionary. Maybe we can even call him the most profound religious figure in history. Maybe he just got killed for standing up in the, against the establishment or he was in the wrong place in the wrong time or maybe worse, maybe he was a liar. No, no, maybe even more sad. Maybe he was clinically not just depressed but clinically insane. No, maybe something even darker. Maybe Maybe he actually was evil, but if he did physically rise from the dead, everything changes. Tim Keller simply wrote, if Jesus rose from the dead, you have to accept everything he said. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, don't worry about anything he said. In our world of fake news and information overload, we're all just so desperate to find some honest truth again. Words backed up with actions, with right motives, and no hidden agenda. Well, our answer as Christians, and it's been this answer for 2,000 years, if you want that, look to Jesus Christ. He did this again and again. Unlike every other great figure in human history, he paired outrageous claims with humility, with love and care and barrier-breaking never seen. As one Anglican priest in Australia wrote, daily leadership fails all around us. The higher the pedestal on which we place a leader, the greater disappointment at their inevitable missteps. There's only one leader who won't disappoint us. One leader whose credentials and character and his credibility people have been trying to undermine for 2,000 years with no success. One leader and one leader alone whose life was lived with utter flawless perfection, with perfect love, with unremitting zeal for righteousness, with the fearless pursuit of the good, of true, and of beauty. One leader whose most disappointing act of failure to compromise on his mission was to seek and to save his enemies. There's only one leader who was and is and is to come, and that leader's name is Jesus. So today we gather with the global church, from cathedrals to house churches to large churches to small churches, to confess Jesus is alive. But before we get to that, all of us, within the sound of my voice, you who are jaded skeptics, you are dragged here and you're just here because turkey and ham is coming in an hour. It's okay. You who are seeking and you who are followers of Jesus, let us all go back to Good Friday through the lens of Good Friday, Easter comes fully alive. Luke 23:33. when they came to the place of the skull, they crucified Jesus there, along with the other criminals, one on his right, one on his left. And Jesus then uttered these words, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. As Jesus is actually experiencing not only a miscarriage of justice, who has been actually tortured and now is being murdered, what does he say as he is dying in this unjust position? Dad, 
They've lost their way home. They've forgotten what the real world was and will be. And I am asking you personally, Father, not to hold this wrong against them. Forgive them. Have mercy on them. Love them. Have you seen such love anywhere else before? It says that the people in response stood watching and the rulers sneered at Jesus. They said he saved others. Let him save himself if he's the Christ of God, the chosen one. The soldiers also came and mocked him. And one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and save us. You're a fraud, Jesus. You're fake news, Jesus. You're a hoax. And you can't help yourself or me or anyone else. He literally, it says in Greek, blasphemes him, swears at him. Even as he lays dying, his final parting words as he's about to to leave this earth is rejection, hate, skepticism, anger, pride, not trust marks this man. Rather than fearing God, he attacks salvation. He attacks love. He does not realize that the man beside him is God in flesh, his creator. And if he'd only trust in him 48 hours later, salvation could come to him forever. But he refuses to trust. He doesn't know it, but actually that criminal is the one speaking lack of truth and fake news. But it's the other criminal. Oh, the other criminal, he's the one who speaks the truth. He says, don't you fear God? Since you are under the same sentence, we are being punished justly for we're getting what our deeds deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. And then he uttered these beautiful words that have rippled for 2,000 years across the pages of time. Jesus, oh, remember me when you come into your kingdom. This man distances himself from Jesus, not out of hate, but out of humility. Man, I need help. I'm here and I deserve this. And Jesus, I know you don't. Would you remember me? Everyone else forgot me, but would you not? I mean, I know who you are. I know that you're going to come back to life. You said you would. Would you remember me? Not just for a moment, a moment, like remember me forever. Don't forgive me when you come back to life. I mean, there's nothing I can do. I can't lead a new life. I'm dying here. I, I can't bring anything to the table. My looks, my family, my background, my money means nothing. I can't say this is someone else's fault. I'm naked in front of you and in front of the world. He has no power in this moment. He can't produce a hoax. He, he can't pull off another con. He can't make up fake news. But his words, his beautiful confessional words cut through all the BS of the moment. And here we see the foundation of that great ancient Christian prayer we've prayed for 2,000 years. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. How does Jesus answer this thug, this criminal? He says, I tell you the what? Truth. Today you will be with me in paradise. We're on Good Friday and Jesus is being tortured and murdered and dying. And what does he do? He forgives his enemies. And not only does he forgive his enemies, he gives life and salvation to a criminal who does not deserve it. But there's more. It says in about the sixth hour, the darkness came over the whole land until the ninth. And the sun stopped shining and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. And Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he said it, he breathed his last. Darkness covered the land. It seemed that no one would be able to undo sin or death or an alienation between God and every human born. But at the darkest moment, at the most confusing moment, God chooses to overcome not just another barrier, he overcomes the ultimate barrier. He tears open that curtain, and we're not even at Easter Sunday morning yet. That temple curtain torn in two. Do you remember what we learned last Sunday? Do you remember what Dave T taught us on, on Good Friday? To understand that veil, that curtain in that Jewish temple, you have to understand the Jewish holiday called Yom Kippur. In English, it's the Day of Atonement. <clears throat> By the way, atonement's a very important word to understand Easter. It means to cover something over, not cover it up, cover it over. It means reparation. It means amend, compensation. It means penalty or payment for wrong or injury or loss or damage. And so once a year in the Jewish faith, 
Only one man, a high priest, would go past this curtain or veil into the very presence of God where the Ark of the Covenant was and through blood sacrifice deal with the sins of the nation. This veil not only separated Jews from the world, separated all humans from God's explicit presence. And so as Jesus lay dying 2,000 years ago on Good Friday, this veil, the most important God-given barrier between humans and God, sinless and sinful, infinite and finite, created and creator, is torn from top to bottom. And who does the tearing? God the Father does the tearing. And as Pastor Dave so powerfully preached on Good Friday, and why did God rip the curtain? So he could get out? No. So we all could find our way home and get back in. So on Good Friday, we've already experienced unforgiveness is replaced by forgiveness. And justice is replaced by mercy. And separation is replaced by access. And then, and then the most amazing thing takes place that so many of us miss. The first person to confess Jesus at his death, isn't a Jew. Not a good Orthodox religious Jew, isn't the high priest, isn't a scholar. Who confesses Jesus? It's a Roman soldier, an oppressor, one who's been involved in stamping out the ethnic rights of the Jews, one who has been involved his whole life in killing other people and crucifying other people. And what does he say? He says he praises God and says, surely this was a righteous man. And Mark, it says, this centurion says, surely this man is the son of God. From a curtain room to a closed tomb to Easter Sunday morning, every barrier is being broken. All the noise is being cut through. All the politics and misuse of religion and the mob mentality. And now the ultimate act takes place. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took spices they had prepared and they went to the tomb. See, they weren't expecting to find Jesus alive. And they found the stone had been rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. And in their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. And the men said to them these words, why do you look for the living among the dead? Oh, he's not here. No, he's risen. His amazing words were not in vain. His promises did not perish when he died. His words are backed up by the greatest historical action ever. We believe, we know, the angels declare that Jesus has overcome all brokenness and sin. And how did he do it? Because Jesus really, for real, physically came back from the dead and death does not win. 25 years later, Paul, writing to a church in Corinth, said these words. If you're a seeker or a skeptic here today, these are the words you need to listen closely to. For what I receive, I pass on to you as first importance. That Jesus died for our sins according to scripture, that Jesus was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Oh, Jesus did not stay dead. Unlike all the others who have died, he's the only one who's come back from the other side. And not like 30 seconds on some operating table where he looked up and saw a light and then came back and said, let me tell you what it looked like. No, no, not a form of scam, not looking dead, but having some medical intervention through machine. No, 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 not resuscitation. He was dead one day, dead two days, dead three days. And on that third day, he physically walked out of that tomb. He walked out of that tomb. And Paul says that this is a historical, knowable, accessible event, not myth. Our faith is rooted in accessible history. And Jesus has shared the fate of all who have died. And yet, unlike everyone else that he has, he has died, he has come back. And by the way, if you're a genuine thinking person here today, you're a skeptic and you've got questions and, and you really want to know, but you do not believe, let me share something so important that all the original witnesses to Jesus' resurrection are women, proves this is not fake news. 
This actually proves this is no April Fool's and this is no post-truth moment. Let me tell you, 2,000 years ago, using women as your linchpin was actually not how you would build the best lie in history. This fact alone has brought some of the most jaded and hardened scholars not only to question their unbelief, but has crossed the line of faith as they've wrestled. Now, it might be hard for us to swallow in 2018, but in that time, in both Roman and Jewish cultures, women would never be used as first-hand witnesses in any major legal event. This would kill the story before it got off the ground. This is how you don't build a lie in Jewish and Roman culture, using women as the lynchmen. See, women... 2,000 years ago, in the legal public sense, were considered, and you can read the ancient documents that declare this, they are unworthy, they are untrustworthy, and they have the same legal standing as robbers and slaves, and they are always second class. See, they would never be used to build the best lie in history. And yet, amazingly, these Orthodox Jewish men who are writing the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and 1 Corinthians, all say that the original women, the original witnesses are all women. And so this is not some con. This is the reverse. See, I grew up in Ecuador in the 80s. I lived on a volcano 10,000 feet above sea level. I had an epic childhood. But when we wanted to light a fire, we had to douse wood in kerosene because there was so little oxygen. If you did that in your house today, you'd have a very different Easter experience. Don't do it. Now, here's what I'm trying to say. We had to actually do all this work because there was so little oxygen. Here's what you need to get intellectually. There's no oxygen in the room for this fire to light. And yet it's still lit anyways and became the greatest fire that's ever changed human history. And this is so critical that you get this. The women is not the only thing. Here's the next thing you need to know. Greeks and Romans did not even believe in physical resurrection. It's not even in the text. And Jews were the only ones who preached physical resurrection, but they taught only everyone at the end of time gets resurrected, not one person. So a Roman, a Jew, or a Greek, no one would ever believe that Jesus would come back from the dead. And yet, amazingly, everyone started claiming he did. That's why the eminent historian and theologian N.T. Wright simply said, Christianity was born into a world where its central claim was known to be false. Many believed the dead were non-existent and outside of Jewish faith, no one believed in physical resurrection. That is why as a historian, I cannot explain the rise of early Christianity unless Jesus rose again, leaving an empty tomb behind him. William Wan, the great Oxford theologian and historian, said all the strictly historical evidence we have is in favor of the empty tomb, and those scholars or anyone within the sound of my voice who reject it must recognize they are doing so on some other ground other than scientific study and history. Paul, writing to a church 25 years later after the resurrection, says, you know what people say against our faith, because I used to say the same things, and so did you. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him. God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs and Greeks, well, they, they look to wisdom. Paul says, I was one of the best, if not the best, Jewish scholar of my day. And I thought Jesus was a hoax and fake news and dangerous. And then I met him. And Jews, he says, keep saying, well, Jesus, fit into my box. And then I'll know you're right. Fit into my box. Then I'll know you're the fulfillment of our faith. But they say, no, no, we know better. Jesus isn't the Messiah. 
Jesus isn't God in flesh because you say Jesus died on a cross. To an Orthodox Jew, hearing the Messiah dies on a cross is like saying you can fry ice. It's impossible. How could God's Messiah be cursed by God? No, no, Jesus is a fraud or Satan or mixed up. He's a hoax. He's fake news. See, this is what Jews believe, that God, when his Messiah came, would wipe out their enemies. He wouldn't be saving Romans and criminals. He'd be taking them out in military power. And Jesus sure didn't do that. Oh, and then Paul says, it's not just our family that's got an issue. He says, look around. All the non-Jews of the world, they say, oh, through science and philosophy and reason, then we'll know what's true and we'll see if there is a God and if there is, if we can talk to him or know him. But the Bible says that the good news of Jesus is not new wisdom or new thinking or a new philosophy at all. He simply says, but we preach Jesus crucified. It's a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to non-Jews. No thinking person. No deeply religious person on earth today will naturally run, embrace, love, understand the cross. Non-Jews want power, beauty, money, uh, external strength, education. Let's be self-made. Jews want to fit Jesus into a box. And they were convinced that God would love them because they were good enough and had the right ethnic background and they, and they were pious enough. Nothing's changed. In 2018, we still all have the same problems. At the center of it all, whether you're deeply religious and you trust in your own good works, or you're spiritual or you're secular, we're all at the center of our attempts to find purpose, meaning, salvation, and life. And Christianity says if you're at the center, you're always going to be lost. That's why one said God is out of reach. There is no wising up to God. Wisdom is giving up your own wisdom. Paul simply says to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Jesus is the power of God. Oh, and he's the wisdom of God. To those who God gives faith to, to those who actually lets us see, no matter your gender or background, the cross is the power of God, the wisdom of God, the love of God, the hope of God, the kindness of God. And notice the power and wisdom of God are the opposite of the power and wisdom of a self-made person or a deeply religious person who says, God will like me because how good I am. God's wisdom is found in Jesus' work and in Jesus' love. See, the world, oh, it spins truth and says there is no truth or manipulates a little bit of truth to get a result. Not God. Jesus has done with our sin by the cross and made a way for all of us to get home. And that is the good news of Easter that we celebrate today. You can laugh at that. It's good. Now, as I've shared time and time again, if Jesus rose from the dead, atheism is resolved. If Jesus rose from the dead, you don't need to be an agnostic anymore. If Jesus rose from the dead, every religion has to reevaluate itself. If Jesus rose from the dead, death is answered because we know what lies beyond the grave because someone came back. If Jesus rose from the dead, the human family does not need to ask who God is, what is he like, and is he involved or does he love me? If Jesus rose from the dead, then you can meet God. If Jesus rose from the dead, there is purpose in your life, more than entertainment, more than family, more than money, sex, power, being moral or religious. If Jesus rose from the dead, then the coffin and the cremation fire that none of us want to think about, but all of us will face, is not the end of you. Or as one theologian said, resurrection means the worst thing is never the last thing anymore. Now, for all of you who are joining us today, skeptic, seeker, dragged here, or intrigued, what is God saying to you on this Easter Sunday? Well, here's what God is saying to you. You're like, I, no, God's not speaking. I just work for the guy, but he is. Jesus' claims are true. He's all that he said he is. Jesus forgives. He really does. Jesus saves. Jesus has cleared that unclearable path. Jesus invites criminals. Are you a criminal here today? You got a record? Jesus invites you home because his love is stronger than anything you've done. 
Are you the Roman soldier in the story? You're in charge. You're powerful in business or life. You've got money. People respect you. You can even inspire fear over people. Oh, let me tell you, you might be strong, but my boss is stronger, and he invites you home too. Are you the most religious person in the room? Are you the person that says that when you die, well, God will like me because I'm Canadian and I'm kind? No. Let me tell you something. When we all die... Our good works are not enough to pay off a holy God. Religion says, trust in what you do to be saved. Jesus says, trust in me and I will save you from yourself. Are you the most religious person? It's time to come home. Are you the women? Are you the women? You're like, my life sucks and you know what? I'm always second class and no one ever respects me and I never get ahead of life and I don't know what person, you know what? Jesus invites you home too. See, the soft heart and the hardened heart, men and women, boys and girls, he says, come and get life. Come and get eternal life. Come and get salvation from sin and death and Satan. He promises that death does not win because if you embrace Jesus on this Easter Sunday, you will physically rise from the dead like he physically rose from the dead. See, he's not just empathy. He's empathy incarnate. He's not just a version of kindness. He is kindness. His love is beautifully ferocious. You think on all your fear today. You think about all of your anger, your hate, your sadness, your losses, and they are like a shadow in your life. They are wide and high and long and deep. But Jesus's love is deeper than all of that. It is wider than all of that. It's higher and longer than all of that. I know it seems too good to be true, but let me tell you, Jesus is not post-truth. He is the truth. Jesus is not fake news. He's the best news. Jesus is not some April Fool's joke. He is absolute hope. And he invites everyone to come home. Come home. Come home. There's some of you again, and we love in this church, we're okay with intellectual struggle and doubt and question. We don't reduce our faith just to emotion. You're like, John, I, I want to believe, and, and I'm a thinking person, and I just can't put the, you know, the pieces together. Fine. If you really are serious about seeking, and you don't just say it because it's hip, to, like you really want to seek, Here's my first challenge to you. Go online, YouTube, Facebook, whatever, connect to our site and download a series we did two years ago called Smoke and Mirrors, where we, over weeks, went through all the evidence of the resurrection historically and ask yourself the question, can an intellectually informed person look at the facts and realize it's true? Because what you're going to find out is many of us who don't just experientially know God, but intellectually know God, have found that it is capital T truth. We invite you to go look at the facts and not just talk about facts. Deeper than that, if you're a person who loves community and wants to understand, we want to invite you to Alpha. You saw this in the video. Come to Alpha. Take the time to explore, to ask. Bring your opinions, your anger, and your questions, but bring it because we know that our boss is going to meet you and he's going to love you anyway. Come to Alpha. For some of you, as I've been speaking today, you're like, oh my goodness, that guy's up there talking and I'm freaking out because actually I'm realizing I believe all this. And you've literally started crossing the line of faith and you're like freaking out. It's okay. The resurrection changes everything. What is God saying to you when you are ready on this Easter to move from death to life to genuine belief? Here's what Jesus says to you. Be like that other criminal, not like the first one. Look at me, Jesus says right now, and say, have mercy on me. Trust me. Repent. Admit you're a sinner and you need help. Turn, receive, confess, open your mind and your heart and believe. Here's how Paul said it in Romans 10.9. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Oh, and you believe in your heart that God, God the Father, raised Jesus from the dead, you will be, what's that word, everyone? Saved. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It doesn't matter your background, who you are, where you're coming from, whether you're another faith, no faith, listen, come home. And if that is you, could everyone bow their heads all across this place today? And if you have never embraced Jesus, 
Maybe you have the title Christian because it's the ethnic background you come from or your grandma's a Christian, so of course I'm a Christian. Or, or maybe you have no, no faith or from another faith, but you want like, no, Jesus is the right way. Then you pray this right now. Dear Lord Jesus, on this Easter Sunday, I'm gonna admit it. I'm a sinner. Like I, I actually am. And I need, I need you to forgive me. I actually believe you died for my sins. You thought about me 2,000 years ago, and I actually believe you physically rose from the dead. So, so I'm done running my own life. <laughs> I'm actually turning from running my own life, and now I ask you to run it for me. Jesus, become the Lord of my life. Come into my heart and my life. I, I trust you and follow you as Lord and Savior. I, I need to be saved like that criminal. I, I need to be in paradise and I also need life on this side. Jesus, have mercy on me. I accept you now fully in the name of Jesus. And we all loudly said together, amen. Let's give a hand to those who have just crossed from death to life. Yeah. You might not know it yet, but Easter will never be the same for you. Now, for many of us who are gathering, actually thousands of people across our church who love Jesus and we're all in, you're asking, well, John, like, uh, what, what for me? What for me as a follower of Jesus? Well, let me read from you as we end some of the words from the very first Christian sermon ever preached by Peter when he stood up on Pentecost and he said in Acts 2.24, lean in and listen this morning. God raised Jesus from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Now, do you see that word agony? I want everyone to look at it. In the original Greek, the word agony is labor pains. If you're a woman and you've had a baby, you know what you're talking about. I don't, but you get that word. So I want you to get the image, the power of this. It says that death was in labor and could not stop the rebirth of Jesus from death. In other words, death was almost trying to stop it, but the pain and the power was so much, Jesus was coming no matter what death wanted to do. In other words, death is working backwards, and death could not hold him, and Jesus came back from the, from the dead to make a way home. And you say, well, John, what's the response? Well, number one, and I really need to say this. Anyone within the sound of my voice who is a follower of Jesus, you love Jesus. He's Savior and Lord. And you have not obeyed his command to be water baptized which is the symbol of what? Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Next Sunday at all of our sites, we are going to be baptizing people, and it is finally time you obey. Get over your fear or telling your story. Listen, all you need to do is get in the water and say, I believe in the resurrection of Jesus, and you need to say this to your friends and your enemies and strangers, and you need to say, as Jesus was risen from the dead, so I am going to be risen from the dead. And so if you have not been baptized, next week we want to continue the Easter party to see 10 and 20 and 30 and maybe more get baptized and declare it, and we want to give standing ovation to God. And so if you have not obeyed and you love Jesus, after the service, walk right out those doors, to one of our centers and say, I need to obey Jesus and declare the resurrection faith I already have and, to get, and just get done with it because I want to keep walking closer to Jesus. For the rest of us, and would you stand as we end? This is what we need to do. We need to be reminded, deeply reminded of this moment. We have no clue what's gonna happen in the next two hours. We have no clue what's gonna happen in the next day the next month, or the next year. We don't, we want to control the future, but we can't. 
But here's the difference between us and the world. Our God runs history and we don't and we're okay with that. And not only that, we also know that we don't mourn like the world mourns. And we know that disease and death and sin doesn't have the final say either. So as like a pastoral blessing on this Easter Sunday, I want to leave you with the words of St. Paul, once a murderer of Christians who became one of our greatest thinkers. And he simply wrote these words in 1 Corinthians 7, 14. By his power, God raised Jesus from the dead. And ready? And he will raise us also. He will raise us also. We are going to be physically raised from the dead. And death doesn't win, not just with Jesus, but with us. So do not grieve like the world grieves and do not lose hope as a Christian in post-truth and fake news and April Fool's. No, 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 no. Jesus is who he claims to be. Jesus has overcome the grave. Jesus has been resurrected. We will be resurrected. We have life and eternal life. Live in the next six months, the next six minutes, six minutes, and the next six years are longer with this truth. This is our truth that God has given us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. God, our Father, thank you for sending Jesus. Jesus, thank you for coming willingly to die in our place and show us who God is. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you've opened our eyes to him. And so we join the church right now all around the world. Like I said, in big cathedrals with bells and smells and chants. And in small house churches, we join with a persecuted church that's hiding for their faith right now. We join with people in small churches and large churches and traditional churches and charismatic churches and everything in between. And we just want to, we want the whole earth to cry out, Jesus, you're worthy. You're worthy because of what you've done. We love you so much. Thank you for your death and thank you for your resurrection. All praise to the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen, amen, amen. Thanks for joining us. To connect to the ministries of C4, visit c4church.com.